Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. My next guest needs actually no introduction, but we're going to do it anyways. So this man is uh, really famous. He was a musician. He was an actor, a director, an activist, um, a dancer. <laughs> Tommy yeah. Chong is, is on the podcast today. Tommy, thanks for being on The Talking Hedge. A singer, too. Don't forget singer. We, we aren't. We aren't now. Yeah, you almost didn't become a movie star. So you got 61 credits on IMDb's. Like, I'm just going to name a couple. You are an up and smoke, still smoking. Miami Vice, my, my favorite growing up. All right. Uh, yeah. You were the George Carlin show, which I think we could do a full yeah. podcast on. That's phenomenal. Uh, Half Baked, South Park, that 70s show, The Simpsons, Disjointed, Jay and Silent Bob reboot all kinds of stuff, but you almost didn't make it to become a movie star. So you were playing the guitar at 17 years old and you were inspired by your first joint or, or whatever, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Result. Yeah. So you became a professional musician. And so in the early sixties, you were playing um, in a band called the Bobby Taylor and Vancouver's. That's right. Yeah. And Diana Ross came knocking on your door. She caught mm -hmm. the act and insisted that Motown, um, sign you guys up immediately yeah so you guys so you almost didn't make it into into becoming an actor and, and everything you've done because you had a 20 uh, num number 29 in the country in 1968 yeah. with the r&b tune does your mama know about me that's right yeah that's crazy that's, a, that's my claim to fame yeah i was i was so lucky especially in the athletic department because my brother you know who uh was three three years older than me. Uh, he uh, he was very physically fit. You know, he was really good, and so he was always on the football team, the the, the hockey team. You know, uh, in Canada, you know, if you if you don't play hockey, then uh, <laughs> you're considered weird. You know, uh, but I was lucky. I, I wasn't physically uh, fit because of uh, an early hockey. Uh, hospitalization that I went through when I was uh, really yeah a baby you know I was like uh, I don't know three three or four where I where I contacted pleurisy and and I spent a year in the hospital and that retarded my uh, my physical growth uh, legs especially legs and butt and so I always used to kind of curse that but but uh, then I thought about it man I'm still here. <laughs> Mm -hmm. everybody else is gone because that that the sports is what takes it out of you you know you get whacked in the head and, you know you get some bones broken but anyway i was lucky and uh and here i am that's awesome that's actually how i got into cannabis was sports i played football and um all kinds of broken to this day and i probably yeah. would have continued to play and been a jock and looked at stoners as you know <laughs> this you know, lazy group of people or whatever until I actually got into it and realized that, you know, maybe they were all smoking too much indica or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, what, 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 what position did you play? Were you quarterback? It sounds like, no, I was actually center. I played center and then I played defensive end. So I was like yeah, the smaller yeah, one. You had a big butt or, or no one else wanted to I, play center. I, I did. No. Um, well, I think a little bit of both. Yeah. I could squat 500 pounds. So I had a, I had a big, oh. So oh. I, I was one of the stronger ones, but the, the, the offensive line kind of came down like a V because I was the smallest one. 
<laughs> but you saw I me mean, yeah i'm an advocate for cannabis because of that and i think that the active cannabis lifestyle and seeing some of these athletes like um athletes for care as a nonprofit for retirement i was watching shark tank and saw um that uh one of the sharks um uh what's his name retired basketball player um, mark oh, oh. No, no not mark cuban um he played with the sons uh charles barkley so Charles Barkley oh, said that 85% of all athletes go broke. And I was like, wow, we should, you know, probably try to reach out to athletes for care and, and see if we can't help them out with our, our investment fund that we're working on. But a lot of those guys no, are broken. Oh, they do well, they get taken advantage of, you know, That's I, I'm, I'm really good friends with Sugar Ray Leonard. Mm. And uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, they all go through that, you know, instant money and then it's gone, you know, uh, and, and, and yeah, Barkley had a horrible gambling problem for the longest time, and then he got out of it. Well, him and Michael Jordan, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and look at Michael. How about Michael winning the, with uh, Bubba winning the Daytona 500? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I cracked up. The most racist <laughs> organization. Mm -hmm. and, and who wins? Yeah, Bubba, Bubba, and, and Michael Jordan. Well, it's yeah. it's funny. NASCAR is trying to tap into um, the LGBTQ community because of the high disposable income. So they know that they're going to buy the leather jackets and the popcorn and everything. And it's sure. just kind of this this um, confliction of of yeah. the, the viewers and then the money behind it. You know, uh, speaking of, we're were you seeing in the music industry and acting that people were getting taken advantage of in the similar light that athletes were? Big time, big time. Uh, Willie Nelson. Mm. Willie Nelson lost his accountant. Okay. Was I, was she here? Was he family? But you know, Willie, uh, Willie's, you know, he's a good old boy, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, entertainers. Cheech and I, Cheech and I got ripped off, you know? Mm. Um, up in smoke, we got ripped off, but it was okay. It, it all worked out good, you know. But uh, no, I was lucky. I got, uh, I hooked up with a, uh, uh, it was a gangster kind of from New York. Hmm. And when, che when Cheech and I broke up, or not broke up, when we left Lou Adler after Up in Smoke, uh, we, we, we had a hit movie uh, and no money. Mm. And no money. And, and because we, we had to stop working live to do the movie and and so we had no income and uh and we got ripped off and so uh i, I come across met this mutual friend actually lou adler's cousin turned me on to howard brown he's a jewish brilliant guy from new york but his, his claim to fame was that he would uh, uh he was a ladies man and 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 he would hit on the gangsters' girlfriends. <laughs> oh wow, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> it was very dangerous. And he showed me how he did it. How he would uh, pick hit, hit on a girl, you know, because he 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 wasn't like movie star. He looked like what he was, you know, New York Jew. And uh, but he was a great guy. Anyway, we we uh, got together. And I know I love gangsters anyway. I, I grew up with them in Vancouver, you know, and uh, in, in, in the gym uh, the, the, in Vancouver. That's where all the gangsters hung out in the gym too. A, a lot of them, you know, the successful ones. And uh, 
But anyway, Howard Brown, uh, he, he took us out of the, the property and put us on the right road and, uh, and taught me a, a lot about, uh, you know, counting, uh, you know, making sure you got good re representation. See, you got to have that, that lawyer, or at least you got to know a lawyer. In fact, that's better. <laughs> because what you do, you can get free advice from your friend. <laughs> and then you can hire a cheaper lawyer, but tell him what to do. So, yeah. You actually missed yeah, you, out on, on Vancouver's legalization because you, you missed, uh, you lost your passport temporarily or something. So you, you missed out on, <laughs> on, on going up there and seeing the legalization, but I have no doubt you've probably seen it since. What's your take on Canada's legalization? And do you think that, speaking of, of gangsters up in like Vancouver in your area, uh, what role does the Hells Angels play, if any? Well, the, the Angels controlled all the, the, the weed and uh, all the, and I still think they do as far as uh, heroin from China and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're, they're involved in it. I had a buddy that uh, used to be a, a mule, you know, he used to bring it down from Vancouver. And, and that's when I, I got a lesson in, in how, uh, how the police are involved, the mm -hmm. DEA. The DEA, where they were totally involved, not everybody, but most of them, totally involved in in, uh, in the drug uh, trade. And they were the ones that tried to keep it from being legal because they, they lost their income. <laughs> but yeah, Vancouver is, uh, well, Canada was a, a hotbed of, ga of gangsterism mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the uh, stock market area. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why, if you notice, uh, if you know the Canis, uh, Canada, uh, the cannabis uh, uh, trading up in Canada, you know, it's all scammy. <laughs> you know, it's all. There's some pump and dumps and crazy stuff going on in the stock market up there with pot stocks for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like where all my gangster friends hung out. Uh, we we stayed away from it. The thing is, you know, Canada uh, is totally racist people don't realize how racist canada was is hmm. wow. uh and it's just white guys running the country you know that's what it was in vancouver they used to uh, advertise in scotland and ireland for police because they didn't want any you know they just wanted to keep the police force white <laughs> they used to uh, yeah for the longest time and in, in the Chinese in, in Vancouver, we, they weren't even allowed to hold public office until the 60s. So, so, so and, and if you notice, uh, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, they used to have uh, uh, produce companies called Acme Produce or General Produce or, you know, very uh, generic names. Mm because Chinese weren't allowed to own businesses mm. uh, like, like that. And so what they would do, because they were the geniuses behind the produce business and the restaurant business and, you know, all the businesses, because that's what China, it was, uh, you know, uh, civilization when, when Americans were chasing each other, you know, with bows and arrows, you know? Right. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, there's racism in China. I mean, in Vancouver, terrible. Do you, yeah, think, and, and, mm -hmm. 
I was going to ask, do you think that, that China is going to play a role or, or uh, you know, Asians in general, whether it's India or China, in automation for cannabis? Because up in Canada, there's, they're growing about a, um, a gram on average, about $6 per gram, whereas in the U.S. it's about a dollar. So we're private companies in the U.S. They're public up there. There's speculation and crazy stock prices. So in order to bring that price down, is it going to be automation or, or is it just going to continue to be day laborers? How's that, how's that market going to change? What have you guys seen with Chong's Choice and, and the evolution of you know, automation to bring that cost down? Well, yeah, that's why the Hells Angels used to bring all the weed from, uh, from Canada, BC Bud. Mm. would ship it down to LA because there's no market in Canada, really. You know, mm. we got more people in California than you have in all of Canada, <laughs> you know? And so, so there's not a big market. And then, uh, you know, like they have down here, and, you know, this is where, this is America, you know, this is where, you know, the cocaine trade and the heroin trade and the, and the marijuana trade was, it was in, in America. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to say with Canada uh, because, again, it's a political thing. You know, it depends uh, who you get in to, to pass the laws. Because they got a law against, uh, they, they wrote a law against me up in Canada. Did mm. you know that? No. The, the, the celebrity law. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, who, who's the biggest pot, Canadian pothead in Canada, in America? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Right. <laughs> And, and so they said, you cannot do celebrity endorsements. So they, they wanted to keep me out of the business. And, 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 but other companies, <laughs> trouble. yeah, other companies tried to get me through the side door, you know, but that whole publicity thing, you know, uh, uh, that kind of backfired on me, you know, so all those stocks and that, you know, they, they, they saw it. It was really right for a while. They got no customers. I mean, you got no, and not you don't have the 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 movers and groovers, and you're not moving that kind of product you right. know, anymore. Yeah. So, so Maybe Canada was possible. Canada was illegal, uh, and 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 then then when they got it legal, <laughs> they tried to treat it like alcohol, like a syntax. Mm -hmm. You know, they try to make it like, oh, you know, we're going to make a lot of money because we're going to charge like we do with alcohol. The thing is, you can't do that with that. See, with alcohol, it needs to be brewery, you know, it needs to be uh, processed. Mm -hmm. And so you can control the, the amount that goes up. We, your grandma, I used to say, and still do, uh, your grandmother will grow uh, enough wheat for you to last you the rest of your life, mm -hmm. you know, because it grows, what, three crops a, a year? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just grows for anybody anywhere uh you know and then as far as uh, quality goes you know the plant is is perfect you know like people say to me uh well they say oh you know this the weed today is not like your grandfather's weed you know it's mm -hmm. much stronger blah 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 it's the same plant <laughs> if anything it's cleaner <laughs> maybe you got less seeds in it you know it's the same plant and i you know i used we, we all used to get a, a bunch of us the whole band would get stoned on one little joint of mexican weed mm. you know and, and 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 so now uh as far as the, the 
we have to take it slow. This is what we're doing. We're taking it slow. We're opening up uh, Cheech and Chong dispensaries, dispensarias, mm-hmm. and and we're and we're going public, but we're doing it slow. We're doing it. We're taking it easy, especially with the pandemic now. But isn't it interesting that uh, uh, bars are closed, shut, and dispensaries are wide open? <laughs> Yeah. essential business, right? It would be nice yeah. to have the equivalent of a bar. In Washington State, it's a Class C felony to maintain and operate a marijuana lounge. So I wrote a bill to overturn that in 2019, submitted in October, and then the yeah. next month or two, uh, the pandemic hit, and then that's been sidelined. So you guys, yeah. fortunately, have delivery in Cali. We don't. So as things get fast-tracked like delivery, that marijuana lounge is kicked to the wayside. So unfortunately, we're going to have to wait um, for bars and stuff, but it'd be nice to have like a dispensary like your, you, you know, you and um, Cheech's to have something similar uh, where you go and buy it and then have another room to consume it. No, the thing is, it's not alcohol. I, I went through that mind, mind uh, trip uh, about to have lounges and that. Uh, no, the, the whole, is you, you want it to be more like a coffee house as opposed to a bar mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. a bar you know the whole alcohol thing you know because the thing is when you got a bar you're you're dealing with sick people <laughs> you're mm-hmm. dealing with crazy people mm-hmm. <laughs> you're dealing with uh, dr jekyll and mr hyde sweetest yeah. as they come in and then they stagger it out can't find right. their purse you know mm-hmm. and 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 it's like a medical thing it's it's I, you know, we own, I own the bar, the family owned, we own two, two bars. So I know that whole thing. Whoa. Uh, no, I was thinking more than anything, uh, art, you have the dispensaries near an art gallery, mm. you know, uh, 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 an art gallery slash bookstore, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you want with the healthy food but not fast foods. Fast foods means you grab it, run, do your thing, you know, don't have, you know, don't have time to, to sit, you know, in a nice area or money. So you eat your, whatever it is. Cannabis really uh, promotes good food, good drink, you know, that's what you want. If anything, so my, my idea would be uh, have it, have have the lounges more like a community center because mm-hmm. one thing about Canada that I loved is a community center because uh, uh, you know Canada is really full of uh, poor people mm-hmm. <laughs> working class people you know because if, if they got any kind of money they usually come down to the states you know and live you're not going to retire in Canada you know uh, I mean people have but out of necessity more than anything and so we have uh, a whole population of of not you know people that need a community you know uh you know there's rich people down here that can afford their own skating rink well up in canada uh, you barely can afford skates <laughs> but so you need a place to skate and so the community center came in and 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 that i think that's what's lacking in america is a, a because what a community center is, it takes care of the community, be it the old from the old, you know, rich, poor, young, you know, we're all 
in, in Canada, they had uh, commissioners, retired army guys as the police force, you know. And so it was it's very humane uh, kind of approach. And, and that's what I think is needed, whether whether you deal with cannabis or whatever you deal with. But see, see, cannabis is more of a medicine. You know, that's what that's what I'm finding out, you know, because everybody thought, oh, the hippies would be lined up to get their get their drugs. You know, <laughs> everybody's worried about hippies in the neighborhood. But it turns out it's old ladies. It's, yeah. it's people with, uh, you know, when I when they legalized it in, in Colorado, uh, I was there the day it was legal, and um, it looked like a lineup to see Jesus mm-hmm. because they're they're in crutches or wheelchairs, wow. or, and, and they're all all lined up early to get their medicine. Right, that's what cannabis is. It's a medicine. It is, and you've used it for yourself, right? You had prostate cancer, uh, and going back to your other point about the humane aspect of it, I think in Colorado it was the only place um, that there was a marijuana lounge that turned into uh, a shelter for the homeless people. That's kind of the whole concept behind that. And you yourself have have experience with that um, and cannabis as a medicine as you use it for uh, prostate cancer. So you were diagnosed yeah. in June of 2012, about 19 years ago. Yeah. I'm curious how that's helped you from your life, either dancing with the stars um, or maybe it helped with um, uh, you recovering from death in the mid nineties. I, I think that death was uh, greatly exaggerated. I don't think yeah. you died in yeah. the nineties. <laughs> it was, it was, a bit, it was, it was the beginning of the computer. Right, right. See, that's, the that's when the, yeah, the computer just started. So, when the, when they heard I had cancer, the next thing well, they wanted to get a jump on it while he died. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my death was greatly exaggerated. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it's it it, it really. Did you use uh, a certain type? Was it Rick Simpson oil? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I know what I did. I dosed myself really bad, but heavy with Rick Simpson oil. Uh, then I was doing prostate, um, uh, what do you call it? When you shoved up your butt. Oh, a uh, suppository. Suppository, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was on, uh, on Access America with Billy Bush. <laughs> and he says, oh, how's the prostate? You know, I said, good, I'm, I'm using prost- uh, suppositories. <laughs> Billy says, well, how's that working out? He said, well, how does that work? And I said, well, uh, you, you know, get a nice warm place, turn down the lights, put <laughs> put on a little jazz. Oh my God! You get change into something comfortable. I was talking to the editor at, at, at Edibles Magazine who used a suppository and then went bowling. And he said he bowled a near-perfect game, like almost a 300 game. And he said, I'm pretty sure that suppositories are a performance-enhancing drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, oh, it worked. I, 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 but the trouble is, you know, when I had prostate, I, I made a mistake. I, um, I knew... Uh, after dancing, during Dancing with the Stars, well, first of all, I had prostate, and they said, uh, uh, it's, uh, we're not going to treat, we're not going to radiate, we're not going to do anything, because it's slow acting, and you'll probably, in fact, maybe that's what the death rumor, you'll probably die of something else before you die of prostate, 
cancer. So we're not, we're not going to bother with you. And I kind of thought that was weird, but I said, okay. And so then I went on Dance with the Stars and, uh, and, I, and that was rectal cancer. I got it. And I'm quite sure it was uh, the, the stress of the show. You know, plus I did a biopsy, which you never should do. If you get a, if you get any kind of cancer, don't do biopsy. Take mm. their word for it. If their x-ray says you got it, you got it. Mm. And then treat it from there. Because the biopsy, I think, spread it from my prostate to my rectum. Mm. And uh, because, you know, they're microscopic uh, germs. And, it, you know, and so, so after I did the Dancing with the, the Stars, I had to go in and get a check. There's something wrong, you know, blood in the stool. And so right away, especially when you got cancer anyway. And sure enough, I got uh, rectal cancer. And so I had to, um, now I had to go the full full steam. And that's when I really got into the, to the Rick Simpson oil. And, but you know what, you know what I think helped more than anything besides a good surgeon. You know, I, I ended up with Dr. Kajani, and anyway, uh, he, my, arthroscopic, you know, where they, yeah, they mm -hmm. hadn't been doing that. The first doctor I went to, he's old fashioned, you know, he's kind of, you get a jackhammer. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, I got, you know, the top of the line guy, and he goes in there, and, you know, and, and so he, he, he he removed the, but before I had the tumor removed, I had um, uh, radiation and they radiated the prostate at the same time. They said, oh, we're down there anyway, so we'll take out. So they cleaned out the prostate of the cancer and, and then they removed the tumor. And then I started doing um, injectable uh, into the body, uh, CBD oil. Mm. Oh. That's, that's really what, uh, promoted the healing because that's the whole point it's the, the way cannabis works as far as i'm concerned is that it works on the brain it, it calms the brain to the point where you can barely remember your name let alone anything else anything to worry about and so it takes away the stress and once the stress is gone then your your immune system kicks in because when animals get hurt, like a dog, when it gets hurt, it doesn't go to the vet, you know, it, it crawls away somewhere and it sleeps, it fasts, it doesn't eat, doesn't drink, and it just sleeps. And what it does, it allows the, the body to take care of itself. I call it, it's like, yeah, it's like a reboot. You know, you turn everything off, you reboot your body, and then uh, the... Uh, the, the natural uh, immune system kicks in and that's what it did with me and and so well listen I, I i came out of the hospital and went right into the studio and did a, a, a zootopia mm -hmm. overdub you know i i, I worked and, and i haven't you know i was playing golf I, I i there was no recovery time because what you're recovering from usually is your effect with opioids, mm. <laughs> your addiction to opioids. Because opioids keeps you high and then your diet goes to hell because you're not that hungry. And uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 the, and, and it just, it masks the pain as opposed to uh, healing 
what, what needs to be healed. So my, my take on cannabis, especially uh, with, with my position or my situation, was I, uh, I calmed the mind. And, and, and I'm still in the same state. I am because everything worked and I thought, okay, I, I'm on a thing, you know, not only uh, with, the, with the cannabis, but with the literature, what was what I put in my mind. Right. So you, you, know? you couldn't use cannabis when you were in prison, right? But did you meditate no. to calm the mind? Because you ended so Operation Pipe Dreams is this ridiculous story that you were given a nine-month prison sentence in November of 2003. Um, you had to take a hiatus from the 70s show in order to do some time in prison. Um, so you had a company called Nice Dream Enterprises. It was an internet company selling cannabis bongs and pipes. You were arrested in 2003 on federal drug paraphernalia charges and then sentenced in September of that year, spending nine months in jail and paying a $120,000 fine. So I'm curious yeah. if stress and the, the food you ate uh, impacted your health. Not in prison. No, actually what happened when I, uh, and, and by the way, uh, you know, I was totally innocent, you know, you know, in, in so much as the only crime I committed was having my name, Chong Bongs. That was the only crime I committed because my son, it was my son's company. And, and th so they had me over a barrel because they said, uh, uh, if you don't plead guilty, we're going to go after your son, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody else, you know, they, they had house arrest. But they, they threatened to put my son, and if that wasn't enough, my wife had signed a check that started the company. And so they were after my wife and my son. And so I said, you, <laughs> I give up, you got me. But uh, yeah, so uh, no, what, what, what happened in, in prison, uh, I turned it into a religious retreat, <laughs> seriously. You called and, it Camp Cupcake, did you not? Yeah, yeah, and because I, uh, because I was a celebrity, you know, I was at the hierarchy in, in, in it was like a, a camp, like where Madoff is in now, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And where probably Trump will end up. But I, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up, uh, if he's lucky, uh, but I, I ended up, there's a golf uh, cat, there's a golf player right now, his name is Harris English. He's uh, right up there, uh, Number three, uh, the FedEx. Anyway, his caddy now, Eric Larson, mm -hmm. was doing uh, uh, a long stretch for uh, a cocaine uh, uh, distribution. But the thing is, he, he got he, he got suckered in much like me, because mm -hmm. uh, when they busted uh, Eric, when they busted the girl that was selling to Eric, uh, they wanted a name, and the only name that she knew was Eric. And so Eric ended up fighting the case and he, and he got, uh, they offered him five years and he said, I'm innocent. I, I, I shouldn't do any time. So, and Eric's very smart. You know, he's one of the very intelligent right. guys. So he fought it and ended up uh, 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 getting 14 years. Ooh. And so he was there when I came, he was at the at end of a sentence and he had, he, he created this garden, this uh, vegetable garden that we had to give the food to the homeless. And then, but we got to eat out of the garden. And so I had the best meals for, uh, <laughs> for 
for the nine months. You I were I, able to it, barter onions, right? Were onions more valuable than cigarettes at the time? And you were able that's to right. barter with onions? Well, cigarettes weren't allowed. Mm. Uh, let me see. No, they, they were allowed, but they weren't a commodity. Mm. Well, they were trying to get everybody to quit smoking. And so, and so they, uh, they uh, uh, no, no, uh, Eric, see, when you go to those prisons, uh, practically any prisons, the smart ones are the ones that are running the prison. They're in the office or they're doing all the labor. You know, the prison guards and the wards and that, they've got slaves. <laughs> they don't have to do anything. You ever see it was Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's really, that's what it was like. And so, uh, so no, my, my prison stay, it turned out to be like a spa. Did <laughs> because, you? yeah, I, I just had a great time. Did you learn anything from, from Jordan Belfort? So your, your prison sentence in the 90s, your, your cube mate was Jordan Belfort. He was yeah. a wolf of Wall Street. So he spent his time as a stockbroker. And um, you encouraged him to write a book, right? The Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. 2013, and you guys are still friends. Did you, so he learned something from you. Did you learn anything from him? Yeah, yeah, I did. I learned that no matter how intelligent you are, how brilliant you are, you can still be stupid <laughs> when, it, when it comes to, to priorities. You know, priorities. You, you know, the single driving force practically for all criminals, especially white collar criminals. Hmm. You know what the, the primary driving for, at least with Jordan, with Trump, with all these guys, you know, sex, hmm. sex. You get perverted, you get perverted because you got so much money, you can buy anything you need. And the only one thing that has always escaped these guys usually was the affection of a, of a, of a beautiful woman. Because most of them, including Jordan, Jordan, you know, it was too short. And it was weird. He was a little weird. You know, he was a good-looking kid, but he, but he was, uh, you know, he wasn't a tall athlete. You know, he was a good tennis player, but uh, his his big beef was that he never got respect from the ladies until he, he got the money, and then you buy the respect. And 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 like like Trump, Jordan had a beautiful gorgeous Russian uh, lady, uh, you know, that, that kind of <laughs> twisted his head all, all around. Because that's the other thing a beautiful woman can do is, you know, no matter how much money you got, she can twist you all, all in the, to knots. And that's why those guys like Weinstein and that, you know, when they got up there, the first thing they do is get, get weird and, and, and sort of almost um, uh, sadistic. Mm. You know, because that's what happens when you got all this money, then you get a little weird, you get weird. So this is, you know, and, and the, what I learned off Jordan is that uh, all the money in the world, all the money in the world can't buy you respect. Mm. And, and uh, he found that out too. And so as a result, you don't get respect. And so you say, well, then, F you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know, and then, you know, then I'm going to have this gorgeous girl. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird. And the other thing that they, they, they lack is uh, moral courage, you know, like uh, any, any kind of uh, uh, 
spiritual training, you know, because most of them, uh, most of those guys, well, Jordan especially, you know, because when when I when he when I met him, like he was, yeah, we shared a, a cubicle, but he was, I was in the garden doing my thing, and he was playing tennis and he was playing backgammon. He he would play, he would do two things at once. He'd have a guy to play backgammon with at the same time while he was doing something else over here. And so we had a we had a, a car we called it where a bunch of us uh, where Eric Larson cooked the meals. Eric and, and Mike would cook this uh, incredible meal every night. And so we invited Jordan into the car. Now the only rule we had was that if you didn't cook, you had to clean the pots and pans. Well, Jordan immediately never did any work in his life. He hired, he would hire all the poor uh, prisoners, you know, uh, the guys that never had any money. And he would, that's what the rich guys did. They, they, they never did a work, a job in their life. You know? mm. Never made a bed, never swept the floor, never did anything. They just, they had guys doing it. But Eric had a rule, said, no, no, if you, if you don't wash the pots, and, if, you, if they cook, you wash the pots and pans. It's like a, you know, a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, so Jordan wouldn't wash the pots and pans, so they kicked him out of the, out of the car. And so when I taught him how to, <laughs> how to write, and that was another thing that was kind of funny because, you know, we're sharing a cubicle, but he had his life, I had mine, and I was writing my book, and he, one day, because what are you doing? And I said, writing my book. I'm going to write a book. And so he sat down and he wrote a page and he handed it to me. Like very proud, you know, because he is a genius. And I took the page and I read it. And it was it was almost verbatim, Bonfires of the Vanities with Tom Wolf. <laughs> almost word for word. And uh, and he was he looked at me like, you know. This, I'm Jordan Belfort. What do you think? And I said, I just shook my head. And and I've never been a negative guy, you know. But I, in in this case, I I shook my head. I said, You haven't written shit. You know, you haven't done anything. And he was shocked. He said, What? I said, Write. He said, What should I do? I said, Write what you those stories you tell me. Don't copy it. It's got to be original, and and then he says, "Yeah, but," and I and so I give him the, the secret of uh, because I learned this in movie making. It's I call it the most of rule. Like if you're going to get high, you don't just get high; you get higher than anybody's ever got in their life, because that's what people want to read. You know, like if it's a giant, you don't want a guy that's six foot two. You want a guy that's eight foot, <laughs> 10 foot, you know, because you're writing, you can create anything you want. And so I told Jordan that rule and that was it. That was it. He, yeah, you got to shelf the fiction and get the real story out. Cause that's a story that's worth hearing. That's it. That's it. Story. And, and, and he looked at me and, and I, I, he's so quick. He's so quick. And he's one of those guys that can add figures in his head. You know, he, my, my son's like that too, but it's kind of scary because he's playing the stock market now. But, but, but no, he's doing good. But Jordan, and, and, and then 
then he then he didn't say anything. And, and by the way, he got kicked out of the car, out of the flute team, because he wouldn't do it. You got to clean the, the dishes. And the last Jordan story, it was funny. He got so involved in writing his book that he wouldn't, he didn't get to the commissary to buy food, you know, because if you don't buy your food, you got to eat in the mess hall, you know, which is, which is there. That, that's not, not for rich people, you know. Right. So, so Jordan kept borrowing chicken from me, but I needed the chicken for our, our meal, you see, because we shared everything. Mm. And so one day I realized, man, yeah, he's gotten, I don't know, a couple of chickens and hasn't paid anything back yet, you know. Mm. And I'm just as busy as he is. I'm writing a book too. So, so I had a dog, I had a big enforcer, a biker, we, <laughs> great guy named Steve. He was about he was about almost five eight, five seven, but he could bench press four or five hundred pounds. You know, he was he was long upper body, and he was a, a a nice biker, tattoos and everything else. But great guy and funny. We had the best time. He was my dog the whole time I was there, and so I told my dog, I said, "Come on, Steve. Jordan uh, owes me some chicken. You want to go collect it for me?" <laughs> and, Steve goes, <laughs> and Steve goes, oh man, uh, do I have to? Says, You're my dog. Five seconds, five minutes later, Jordan Belford's at my cubicle with chicken. <laughs> he says, <laughs> personally, it wasn't giving it to Steve, but he right. personally said, here, here's your chicken. That's interesting. That was good. You had your own uh, foray into the Wall Street market for, for a brief set. I'm wondering if you can um, maybe elaborate on your experience. Um, since it didn't really succeed, maybe there's a learning experience from there. You had a solution for pop banking. So cannabis banking still isn't a thing. It's 2021. Uh, the States Act, the Moore Act, all of these things that would allow for cannabis banking, still not a thing. You had a green card back in the day. So that was a payment solution for the medical marijuana dispensaries and rec stores um, that all obviously operate in cash. Um, so the card was going to sell for 1995. And then you would load using cash, not a credit or debit card, and then exchange that um, at at rec shops. Great idea. Didn't necessarily work out. Is there any learning? Never, never, never got off the ground. Well, yeah, you know, the banking. That's the key. That's the key yeah. to our legalization. Right. In fact, uh, you know, when they talk to anybody, uh, it's, uh, that's what uh, that's what everybody's waiting for. Once they get the banking together, we're gone. We're good. We're good mm -hmm. to go. But you see what we're against? We're against that black market. Mm -hmm. We're against that. You know, they don't want, you know, those DEA agents and those government officials and that are getting millions of dollars. They don't, they don't want that income to stop. Yeah. And so that's what we're up against. But time will tell, you right. know, time, time will tell if you know what I think. And maybe maybe the Bitcoin or something, uh, they're, they're going to come up with some kind of uh, a cannabis currency. Mm -hmm. That's 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 what I, I that's what I'm seeing uh, that I'm thinking, you know, but, we, you know, I, I remember before we had credit cards, <laughs> you know, I remember when just the odd weirdo had a diner's card. Mm -hmm. you know and it was hard. and when i first got my credit card i remember if, if, if something looked fishy they'd keep it and they'd cut it in half oh, wow <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that never happened to you but yeah. 
Well, I remember hearing about people if if they thought that it was stolen or anything weird, they would cut it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> cut it in half. Yeah. Just cut it in half. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a change, man. You know, that's why I I've got so much hope for for the human race. You know, because oh, well, look at we got we got AI, artificial intelligence, and. I, for a while, and even my son was a little bit, you know, skeptical, you know, oh, you know, it's not good, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. But you know what I realized? Elon Musk mm. said it, that he said eventually we're, we're, we're going to be putting computer chips in humans. Mm -hmm. You know what's going to cause, you know what's going to be able to, they're going to be able to fix spinal cord injuries. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to be able to put a, a, a chip in in you, and boom, your your spinal cord is back because it's all a, a series of electronic impulses, and that they they can't can't figure out with a knife. You know, you can't splice anything together. You know, this has to be a computer chip. You know that 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 uh, that copies the, the the spinal cord, and then. You're going to have people walking and doing incredible things physically. And uh, yeah. Oh, it's man. kind of scary. That Neuralink company that, that you're talking about with Elon Musk is, is kind of crazy. But he's a brilliant guy. And he basically said, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Um, and hopefully it doesn't take over the world. We're actually using artificial intelligence and machine learning for uh, an investment. Um, it's a trading algorithm. And so we're investing in, in cannabis stocks. Last year, we were up 93%. And then this year, it was been crazy. So we were up 108% within the first 34 days of the year using AI and machine learning. So there are some benefits to it, but I'm not going to lie. It is a little scary. You know, I don't know if somebody <laughs> bad is going to use it for bad things. <laughs> it reminds me of the natives, you know, when you point a camera at them. Uh, Indian thing. Uh, what are you doing? Right, you're stealing. Right. You're, you're stealing my soul. Yeah. And when you think about oh. it, they were right. They were right. Wow. Because like like a movie, like yeah. a movie can steal your youth. Mm. And then you know that those child stars, you know, all they are famous for is when they were young. Mm. And then when they get old, they don't exist anymore. It's crazy, huh? That is interesting. <laughs> well, you guys have a documentary, or did you have a documentary coming out talking about your origins yep. with you and Cheech? Yeah, it's still being done. Okay. Uh, he, he was kind of uh, the guy, the filmmaker. It's my daughter, uh, Robbie, and her guy, Dave. Dave has been on some really good films, and he's been on this one for almost four or five years now. Wow. Yeah. Four years for sure, because when Trump, yeah, isn't it funny? We 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 can tell our time by Trump now. <laughs> when Trump was elected to to the, the PTA, the pre-Trump era, <laughs> yeah, PT, PTE, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, yeah, we got a. It's it's it. But he's fine tuning it. He's working on it. He's thing is about movies. There's you can you can work on them forever. You don't really, you don't finish a movie, you abandon it. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you guys are still working on these dispensarias, right? When can we expect to see that either, you know, in LA where you're at or um, Seattle where I'm at or in Colorado where we were both at for the launch of Chong's Choice in like 2017 or whenever that was a million years ago? It was, uh, you know, the pandemic stopped everything. Well, it, it helped, you know, the weed industry in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, uh, and it slowed everything down. Uh, we're still, I think, we're, the, the latest plan was to have Cheech and I uh, kick off, like, a, it still is, uh, like a little series uh, of us delivering weed, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to, we're going to kick that off. Uh, as well as our um, the opening the dispensaries. We got a, a, a place in San Francisco, one in LA, and one in Boston that mm. were just on the verge. We're getting through the lockdown and all that. And uh, yeah, so that's that's our plan, and uh, it's going to be good. Uh, you know, we're going to be we're going to be Seattle. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be once we get them going. You know, mm -hmm. once we once we get them going and show them how, how to do it, I I think like Cheech is opening a, a an art gallery in uh, Riverside, mm -hmm. and it it was going to be it was due to be open in twenty one, which is now twenty one, right. and, and so he uh, and it's a it's the old library, so he's got a whole building, and there's a possibility that might be our first dispensary. You know, as well the, in, into that area. That's what I, I, I like to. Well, it depends, you know, each each area is different. You know, I would like to see a van made out of weed put in there that we can go in and hot box. <laughs> that would be that would be ideal. I, I would like to hot box with you guys. Who would you like to smoke out with? Is it still Paul McCartney? Is that still your number yep. one choice? Who Who's the person you would not like to smoke weed with other than Trump? <laughs> is there anybody that you would like not want to or would you would you even like to pick their brain while they're stoned let's see let's see you know, and paul I mccartney by the way you want to smoke with paul mccartney because he's the only beetle that you haven't smoked with that's, that's right that, that, yeah that's right that's right actually you know i i don't i i don't have anybody that i dislike even even when rush limbaugh when i heard that rush died <laughs> you know i I, I said I told Rush in the in the uh, in my post to say hi to God for me, mm -hmm. and it and it and everybody oh you know <laughs> mm -hmm. people hate that guy. Yeah, but the thing is, he's no he's no longer here. He's no longer Rush. Mm -hmm. He's gone. Right. And and he'll never be back. That guy's gone forever. Right. And so so his spirit, you know, his spirit doesn't. That's yeah. wise of you, but there's still a lot of people who don't understand that that spirit leaves that negativity when they do go to the other side. I don't think that's really um, something that here's a, here's what you got to realize: without the rush, you don't have the Tommy Chong's. You don't have you you, you, you know this is a physical world. Mm -hmm. For every action, there's a reaction, mm -hmm. and so and we take turns. By the way, when we go back. When we go in the spirit world, there's nothing but love. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's Rush or Hitler or anybody, right? You know, when the spiritualist said, "Yeah, you'd be surprised. You go to you go to the spirit world. You'll you'll see God. You'll see. I mean, you'll see uh, Hitler. You'll see Mussolini. You'll see all those, those. You know, the Night Stalker. 
mm. because the evil is just the, another experience. Mm -hmm. It's just another experience. And you can't have up without down. You know, you can have right without left. See, if there's no left, there's only right, then there, then it's not right. It's just, you know, and so, so they're the, the opposites. That's what I learned. That's what I learned in prison, by the way, you know, that, that uh, the, you need both, you know, mm -hmm. just like you need an opponent to play tennis. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Balance. It, 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 uh, action, reaction. Right. And and that's what it and that only happens in the physical world. Mm -hmm. You see, it doesn't happen in the spiritual world. So the spiritual world, you're going to find uh, spirit. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a beautiful place to to roll this one up. Um, is there some links or anything else that you want to discuss before we wrap this up? Uh, no, just uh, keep the chong. Uh, uh, you know our 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 product doing fine strips I, i'm i'm this is what i'm using to uh to promote our to help uh, our um investors mm. you know because everybody they're they're like breast strips you know you take them and you put them on your tongue and they melt and, and this has 10 milligrams is that thc and, or cbd uh, thc okay THC. That's great. Is, oh, like these Listerine are... strips. I kind of like those. You put them on your exactly. tongue like and it gets straight through the blood brain barrier a lot quicker. Exactly. I, I give these out at parties all the time and I give them a, uh, our new year's party, uh, you know, very, very uh, sparse, you know, there's only six people. Everybody got a strip and it acted just like a joint. Yeah. <laughs> we had one, one lady, she got kind of, just combobulized, you know. She, she was sitting there, and she said, "Oh, I don't know what happened, but I started thinking all these terrible thoughts." And then I thought, "Oh my God, did I say them out loud?" Oh. <laughs> That's funny. We laughed, and then we said, "What were the thoughts?" Right? The yeah. Now you got me curious. That's funny. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to have all those uh, links in the show notes. People can get a hold of you and your products. Follow you on social media all of that. So I think with that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Tommy Chong, Chong's Choice, and a slew of other things. Uh, kind of an icon in the industry. Tommy, I appreciate you being on the Talking Edge. My, my pleasure, man. I love the name too, Talking Edge. Oh, thank That's you. Great. That's well, great. I am Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Edge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.